Hello, welcome back to the English program. We're broadcasting live on Spreaker using the Spreaker Studio app. This is the second episode of our new uh, broadcast podcast. I suppose it's a broadcast because we we record them live, then they become podcasts. Uh, by the way, our CRT broadcast slash uh, podcast um, episode two is here now, and. Um, Tomorrow is a big day for me in my research because I will get the results of my proposal for my master's dissertation, which I'll complete by September. And um, I'll just quickly sort of explain that uh, the the broad basis of my proposal is to do research on EAL students. Um, that is, students who, wherever they have come from, they may have come from somewhere in the European Union, from Africa, from Asia, they come to the UK, and they have additional languages. So they will be learning English. Some of them, they will have very, very, very low proficiency in English. And the the interesting thing with EAL is it's, it's not a subject... It's not like ESL. You're, it's not about a teacher says, oh, I'm, I'm a, an ESL student, I teach English as a second language. This is um, an additional language, so the individual may already speak several languages. There are many countries in the world um, where people come to the UK from, where they where they live, maybe there are, you know, a hundred languages. So so that individual in their family may already, you're basically an EAL student if, if you've grown up, if you've developed, um, where in your, your family, your community, you have several languages. So you come to the UK, for example, in this context, and you're trying to learn English, maybe from scratch. Maybe you go home and, and no one in your family can speak English. So, so you are totally, uh, you know, you are the link between your family, your parents, and the school. So the school wants to communicate anything to your parents. It has to be through you as a, as a mediator. So you may have a good level of English. You may have a very poor level of English, or your home language, or languages, you, you may lack proficiency in that. Um, and of course, all of this causes problems. It causes practical problems, because when, when it comes to you sitting exams, uh, you may not be able to answer the questions correctly, not, not because your, your knowledge uh, of, the, of the subject is poor. You may be doing a mathematics exam and the instructional language is English. But maybe your English is not very good, therefore your answers to the mathematics questions may not be very good. I, I, I understand that mathematics very often, it's, it's symbols, it's not language. But the point I'm making is that if the instructional language is English and your English is not very good, um you will have problems, you will have practical problems, you will have um, um, other issues which, which are impeding, stopping you from, from learning, um, which is your legal right. 
you know, the government has uh, a legal obligation to teach you and to find ways of, of solving any sort of obstacles or any gaps in your in your uh, knowledge. So I am doing research on EAL students, and this has led me to critical um, race, the, the, the theory, because this comes up. And as I've as I've mentioned, sort of in the in in the, the basic description of, of the of the series, CRT postulates racism is part of our everyday life. It's endemic in our society. It's not not just an aberration. It's not just something which which appears very randomly, but very rarely. No, th- this is a normal part of society. And. What theorists are saying is that we have to, we have. It, it is normal, but it's not right. Just because something is normal, doesn't doesn't mean they're saying, well, it, it, if it's normal, what's the problem? No, no, no. The whole point of the what the theories, what, what the theorists are saying, is that this racism thrives on the single-centered dominant story, which has been told, it's been learned, it's been repeated. It's one of silent privileges gained through enslavement, colonization, imperialism, subjugation. And uh, this has to be challenged. And one way of doing that is the idea of counter-storytelling. And I think that counter-storytelling is a really strong, positive way um, for helping EAL students. Because the idea of... uh, And this doesn't just happen in the UK, by the way. EAL students in other countries. I'm uh, conducting research um, on many related and interrelated issues here. And, um, for, for example, in Tanzania. I mean, th- this is this is quite difficult to believe, really. But... We have a situation where a lot of uh, students were, maybe they have poor proficiency in English, they may even have poor proficiency in the home language, are uh, in England, English schools, in an English environment, an alien culture. Um, they, you know, it, it's it's a shock for them when they go into uh, these these mainstream schools because everything is just alien to them. Um, but the instruction is in, in English. Well, this is happening in other countries. So, this isn't just happening um, here. It's happening in other countries. So, if you look at the South African context, um, according to Chikiwa and Schaefer 2016, Um, They looked at this, and there were no materials written, this is in the schools, in the learners' native languages. Learners had to depend uh, on their own knowledge. They had to to deal with uh, code switching. So learning bits in one language, bits in another language. And and the, the main problem there... In Tanzania, is they have a hundred languages, 
And the instructional language, although it's an additional language, is in English because because of colonialism and and other types of racism. English is is the is the preferred. It's the dominant instructional language in secondary schools, whether whether children can speak English or not. They are being taught mathematics and uh, you know, humanities. They're being taught uh, history. They're being taught uh, whatever uh, geography in English, whether they can speak English or not. And this is leading to all kinds of problems. And the reason for this primarily is is racism. But you can theorize about this, but you can also do something practical and look at um, positive steps for, for helping. And, and my specific interest in relation to the EAL is not about just sitting here and, and sort of um, coming up with, with theories. It's about trying to find practical solutions. But my interest in CRT is because there is a lot of research on this. Um, but it, it has it has been sort of dragged into the political quagmire a bit. And I'm 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 trying, I'm hoping to um, to go back to the origins of this. So one of the influential writers that I'm looking at is Lander who says that stories are the secret reservoir of values. You change the stories that individuals and nations live by and tell themselves. Um, you can change the individuals and the nations. Nations and peoples are largely the stories that they feed themselves. So if they tell themselves stories which are lies based on racism, they will suffer future consequences of those lies. If they tell themselves stories that face their own truths, they can free their histories for future flowerings. Uh, That's from Ocri, 1996. Lander says, as a researcher working in the field of race and education, I utilize the theoretical framework of critical race theory, which postulates basically that racism is part of everyday life. It's endemic. It's normal. But as I, was, as I was saying before, just because it's normal doesn't mean it's right. It's normal. By saying it's normal is, is not saying, well, you know, that, that's it, you know. Say la vie, what can we do about it? Saying it's normal is, in my view, the first step to say, well, actually, we, we have to wake people up and say it's normal, but it's not right. We have to do something about this. It's normal... Um, because we've done nothing about it. Therefore, we have to do something about it. It's uh, Because otherwise, people, people can dismiss racism and say, oh, it, it, it just appears, it, it's, it just happens occasionally, you know, um, a couple of whatever, and, and, and the usual suspects, it was a couple of football supporters, or it was whatever, causing the problem. We've dealt with that now. Let's move on. And the problem is, they do move on. Those in power, those who 
who pull the levers of power, who can change things, who can make things better, those who are in control of budgets and things, um, those who decide what policies are, all too often assume that racism is not normal. And you, you have to you have to accept this idea that it is normal. It's not right, but it's normal. And then you have to say, so let's not just react to random events when they when they occur. Let let's dig a bit deeper, because if you if you think it's normal, sorry, if you think it's not normal, then you're not looking for it. And whenever it appears, you can just say, oh, that that was just a random, an aberration, with you know like a specific event that happened. Um, we you know that was caused by it was bad weather. And, and people would just got into a fight or something. Um, it, it can be sort of rationalised. So, so you have to you have to get into the mindset that it's normal, and therefore you may not see it because it's part of the of the tapestry of life. But it may be normal, but it's it's you know it, it's not being put there by God. It's being put there by humans. And if you accept that it's a, it's normal, but it's a social construct, it can be changed, it can be, it can be challenged. Then you're on your way to actually doing something about it. And it's it's about the the dominant story of the silent privileges. And if it is a story, and you accept it's a story, but it's the wrong story. Or it's a story which which suits white people. Then, if you can accept that, then you can accept that actually, what's the solution? Counter storytelling. You you have to counter racism and racist stories with new stories. So, critical race theory recognizes that the experiential knowledge of people of color is legitimate, appropriate, and critical to understanding, analyzing, and teaching about racial subordination. In fact, the the author says, critical race theorists view this knowledge as a strength and draw explicitly on the lived experiences of people of color by including such methods as storytelling, family histories, biographies, Scenarios, parables, cuentos, testimonials, uh, testimonials, chronicles, I may be uh, paraphrasing a bit there, and narratives. Uh, what I'm doing with my research, I'm, I'm trying to paraphr- paraphrase everything. Uh, the problem is then when you want to quote something direct, you can't because it's, it's all being paraphrased. So I'm not, I'm not sure which was the, the paraphrased bit and which was the, my my bit. But... Uh, but that comes via Landa from um, Solothano and Yosso, 2002. But I'm looking at other writers. I'm looking at Gloria Ladson Billings um, and, and other writers. Morrison, 1992. Delgado, uh, Freeman and other writers. Gordon, 1990. And uh, as I come across these writers, I'll be talking about them. But I wanted to wait until tomorrow. Tomorrow I've submitted my uh, my research proposal, but it is just a research proposal. 
by by September it will be totally different. I, I have to have a, a conversation this week with my supervisor to find out the extent to which I can I can bring in to my my dissertation about EAL uh, the idea of uh, of counter storytelling. So, uh, so I want to bring in uh, CRT uh, as as my main um, paradigm, my main sort of theoretical framework and if i if i get the the green light for that um then we can continue so so tomorrow i'll get my results and then i can have a conversation later in the week and by episode three of this series i should have uh, some really exciting news uh, in the meantime um, i'm trying to keep these episodes to a minimum of 15 minutes here on the English program, I, I tend to do very short episodes. If I suddenly discover something, I will do a quick three-minute episode on something. But for, for this in particular, I wanted to try to, to sort of stick. For critical race theory, I wanted to stick to 15 minutes. I've gone over my 15 minutes now. But but the 15 minutes is a minimum rather than a maximum. So we're going to end now. I think it's on 17 minutes, which is a bit of a weird number, but never mind. So um, thank you to everyone who's written to me over the past two weeks. I will be uh, replying. Uh, I'm still I'm still sort of waiting. I, I have been waiting for the response from my, or, or the results from my, the feedback, if you like, uh, the formative feedback from my, proposal before I replied to anyone, but I'm going to reply um, today. And thank you to everyone who's, who's, who's replied. I did say to you to get in touch if you want, uh, with comments or uh, suggestions. And uh, thank you to everyone who has. I'll be replying later today. And, uh, you know, just, just thank you everyone and in the meantime you know this this broadcast is primarily about the topic critical race theory uh, i'll also be using this as an opportunity to to talk about the process um of the research and um and how it's been for me and all, you know also my my thoughts and my perceptions and and that kind of thing it's 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 quite therapeutic to be able to sort of talk about outside of the academia process uh, to talk about some of these things which normally you wouldn't write about. I mean, we, we, we can write in the first person for this dissertation, I've been told. So I, I can say I, 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 I it's not the first person, I, I, I can, um, you know, I, I, I want to be able to say I believe this or my, my plan is that um, it makes it sound more human, rather than saying, this researcher believes, or this researcher did that. Um, and I th I think it, it's appropriate to this as well, because half the problem is, in a way, the dehumanization. One of the reasons why the existing story is being challenged is because it dehumanizes people who have another experience which hasn't been written about. I'm currently reading out on another channel here on Spreaker, Pocahontas, 
which of course was a true story, but there's also lots of, um, of, of fictional accounts. And I'm reading one that was written maybe a hundred years ago. Um, and I keep having to pause because of the way it's written. And there is credit given in, in the book to Pocahontas and how if it hadn't been for Pocahontas, her tribe would have killed Captain John Smith and, and all the settlers and we would never have had a USA. The initial English uh, pilgrims would have been killed by by the chief of the of the tribe. Uh, and although Pocahontas has given due credit, the, the 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 sense from the author is that well, Pocahontas was was quite a nice young uh, girl, but um, she wasn't the problem. It was all her tribe's people. They were all savages and you know blah blah blah, and they were irrational and uh, they had no culture. They couldn't control themselves. Blah blah, and. and I have to keep stopping and, and saying to the listener, uh, you know, that I, I, I'm reading this, but I don't approve of it. That This is part of the problem. Pocahontas, um, it's almost written as if Pocahontas is the exception to the rule, which is that they were all savages. And the English pilgrims were all the, the, the nice, religious, tranquil people who... Uh, just just wanted peace, but they were being stopped from from being peaceful by all these horrible savages who just wanted to kill everyone. And in a way, no amount of praise for Pocahontas can can erase the fact that the writer views the rest of her people as savages who need to be educated in in how to be. Uh, civilized. And I find that a little bit offensive, and, and I do have to make make the point that, that the whole point of, of this is it's a story. The event was true, but, but, the, but the story of it, the reporting of it, the narrative depends on who wrote it. And the whole point of CRT, and I keep on trying to link this directly back to critical race theory, theory by, by saying, well, the events are the events. The problem is who wrote it? And we have to challenge the particular version of the events by asking people who experienced it what their sort of perception is. Because in the past they've been ignored. And it's not about forgetting or uh, deleting these stories, it's about getting an alternative, a counter story and, and the whole idea of, of counter storytelling which I'm not sure, I've, I've, I've read counter storytelling as one word but I've, I've been I've been told, not, not told off, but I've been told by my one of my, my tutors that, that it's a typo it wasn't meant. It wasn't a typo, in my opinion. I, I wrote counter storytelling as one word because I've seen it written that way. But um, I've been I've been told counter storytelling isn't a real word. So so I'm learning all the time. But um, 
it's quite it's quite frustrating because I'm I'm being corrected on on some things which I'm not totally sure of. Although in the case of counter storytelling, I'm I'm quite sure that uh, the author that was using it used it as one word. No no hyphens. It was just counter storytelling, and it was in quotations. But um, I'm learning all the time, and this this broadcast helps me to sort of uh, talk a bit about it, and I'm I'm encouraging other people who listen to this to uh, to get involved, and uh, I want to take this forwards. My background is media. My degree was in Salford, Media City, University of Salford. Uh, you know, we shared the building. The University of Salford, the, the Media City campus, shares the building with ITV. You can see from our window, when you're inside the building, you can look out the window, you can see the set of Coronation Street. You can see the Imperial War Museum. You can see the Lowry Museum. Um, we had CBBC and CBBS as neighbours. We had the Philharmonic, Radio Five, were next to us on that campus. Um, it really is a, 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 a digital revolution. This is like what you imagine when you think about um, the, the Silicon Valley with all the different uh, companies and things. That's what's happening. In Salford, at Media City, you have all these these major broadcasters um, all all together, and at lunchtime, everyone's out having a lunch, and you you could be sitting next to the producer of um, you know some some major soap opera for all you know. You don't know because you know it's just all people having their lunch. But uh, it, it's a the atmosphere is I can't I can't explain it. But I think we can do so much with critical race theory um, to, to, to get more people talking about it. I think that is the key. Not enough people are talking about it. And I know Black Lives Matter gets a lot of press. Critical race theory and the theorists who are, who are writing the material um, are not getting the recognition or the credit that they deserve. And I think it is, in a way, it's a fight. But uh, I think this can be done. And, and if I can play my part in raising awareness, in getting people at the BBC, at ITV, to talk more about critical race theory, then I've done my bit. Um, so if, if anyone has any ideas there with regards to uh, getting people in the media to take an interest in this, then, uh, then let me know. When I was living in Spain, I, I lived in Spain for six years. There was a, an advert um, saying extras wanted for a film. I didn't know what this was. We, we lived in a little tiny village in the middle of nowhere. I went to the auditions to be an extra, and because I had a beard, um, I've got a ginger beard, I, I, I was picked because they were doing a film about um, the whatever, the Middle Ages or something, um, in Spain, and they wanted people who looked like they were Dutch. So I got picked. 
Uh, but I had to, I had to do a, like a beard audition, if you could believe that a beard audition, if I had the right beard. Anyway, I, I I got the part and I spent a week hanging about with the actor Jason Isaacs, Lucius Malfoy from from Harry Potter, and we're just there talking. He's from Liverpool. It doesn't sound like he's from Liverpool, but he's from Liverpool. Um, he he has a colourful history. He became um, an actor. But before that, he was a lawyer. He's done all different things, and he he effectively he he basically um, he likes Everton, the football club. So we were talking about Everton. We were talking about. I asked him, would he be the next Doctor Who? This was this was before David Tennant, I think, before David Tennant became uh, the Doctor. So it's going back a bit, two thousand eight, I think it was, and. Um, and we were talking about all kinds of, of different things and, and living in Spain and, and all of that. And he was doing this uh, this film. La Honjora de los Correal was the name of the film. Um, and he was playing the Englishman, uh, trying to get uh, England and Spain into a, into a fight, into a war, uh, based on a true story. And I just, uh, you know, spent the week um, with the actor. So I... When I came back to England, I, I I wrote to the BBC and to the entertainment and just entertainment department and just said, because I had a bit of an idea of, of how the media worked, and just said, you know, would you would you like to uh, report on this? And they said they they keep the story uh, as a as a backup. They'll look into it, but in the, in the end, they decided not to take it any further, which is which is fine. But that started to give me a clue on how you get the media to take an interest in stories. And then, of course, I, I did three years at Salford from 2017 to 2020, and I went into lockdown at the time of my uh, writing my dissertation, which I did on the history of Television Centre and the local community in, in Hammersmith and Shepherd's Bush in London. So, that, so I had lots of opportunity to go to, to Hammersmith and Shepherd's Bush and, and White City and everything, um, just before the, the lockdown happened. But the point is, um, I I learned how to, and I'm, I made contacts with people at the BBC. So so if anyone, the, the point of this is anyone at all, critical race theorists, uh, researchers, um, if you have ideas of how we can utilize that, how, how I can make use of my contacts, so I can, how I can write to people, and uh, at the BBC, and if you have any ideas, let me know, because I think that would be really interesting as well. In the meantime, 30 minutes I've been speaking for. I think I need a cup of uh, water or something. <laughs> My voice is going. Thank you for listening. Once I'll just, shall I, shall I just, um, oh, we're going on to 31 minutes. I've completely, completely blown the, uh, I wanted to try to, 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 to make a, a clean 30 minutes but it's it's 31 minutes now never mind so that's it i've um it's it's too late now i may as well just give up i'm going to finish now i want to leave you with this um um email address which many of you have already um used so thank you much uh, thank you very much for that um Stephen.rimmer at myport.ac.uk 
Um, and you know, let's let's get some, let's establish some dialogue, and let's uh, not just discuss the theory, critical race theory, which is important, but let's let's uh, consider, let's let's share some ideas on on how we can get the, you know, I've, I was I was at me I was at Media City for three years. I I learned about. Uh, not just how to use a camera and microphone, that kind of thing, like practical things. I learned about doing multimedia, um, social media campaigns. I, I learned about how to contact people in positions of power within the media. If you've got a story to tell, you know, I learned about how to do the, uh, if, if you're in the lift with someone powerful, how you, how you do your lift pitch your elevator pitch, how do you pitch, whatever you're doing, how do you get that into 30 seconds and pitch it to someone who has power and money. So let's let's get cracking on this. Um, people who are listening to this, uh, don't just be passive. Listen to it, share it, uh, contact people, and give me some ideas. Get in touch with me. Give me some ideas on how we can push this and get people in the media in the BBC, in ITV, to take a greater interest in this issue. Because there's no point in just theorising about it. We have to get the idea out there, and we have to get people talking about it. And whilst you know, I'm all for everybody, citizens, talking about it, let's get people in power talking about it. My name is Stephen Rimmer. Thank you for listening.